You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy. My guest today is Amber Dorsey. Amber's been a realtor for six years and has a history in city management, property management, and residential development. She primarily works with first-time home buyers, focusing on eliminating the stress of buying and making the process more fun. Amber is growing a team in the DFW area and started with her YouTube and loves doing what she's focused on in real estate. Let's welcome her to the show today. This is Kevin O'Leary. It says, startup businesses, ideas that solve problems or reduce costs are the key to success. And so everybody's doing these startups. That's like the cool thing right now. Well, just make sure you're solving a problem or you're reducing cost. And that's how you're going to be successful. So, but once again, I want to introduce Amber. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Well, let's jump right into it. I mean, tell me your story. I know you're in the DFW area, but tell me your story in a couple sentences. And then how did you get into real estate? What, 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 what made you decide real estate was the career path you wanted to be on? So I've been in real estate for six years. I first started to be a realtor when I first graduated college. I don't remember if it was because I met somebody. I don't really remember what it was because now that I've been doing it for six years and my business is doing pretty well, when I talk to like friends, they'll be like, oh yeah, I remember you told me you wanted to be a realtor. And I don't remember none of these conversations. So for me, I think it was just, I met somebody, they planted a seed in me and I wanted to do it. It took me to be mature enough to be ready to invest in myself in order to actually do it. So a trial happened in my life. I was working for a boss. I was underappreciated, overworked. So what I ended up doing was I decided to pay whatever my paycheck was. I took a portion of that paycheck and I paid for real estate school and I went after real estate. It took me longer than the normal person to you know, start the real estate business because like I said, I was overworked. But once I did it, I set a one-year goal of working. I quit my job. And then as soon as I walked out of the door, it was like, God, just start opening doors for me. So that's really my journey. Um, this past year, I started a team. So during the pandemic, I have a team. The pandemic has been great for the real estate business. So if it ain't good for anything else, people have realized they don't want to be stuck in an apartment. They want to be stuck in a house. Yep. That has been really good for the real estate business. And it's just been booming since then. No, I love it. I love it. Well, you said a couple of things that I want to highlight for our listeners. One, you said I decided to invest in myself, right? What made you say, you know what? I'm finna bet on me. I'm done betting on everybody else. Like I'm finna bet on me. I mean, working for someone else. I just saw this quote the other day. Your boss will never pay you enough for you to live next door to them. And um, the funny thing is, my boss was picking on me. She was just an older lady. And, and when I say older, she wasn't really that old, but I was young. I was like 24 mm-hmm. and she was like 40. And so she was just always picking on me, like almost bullying me. And so it just took me to say, hey, I'm not going to take this no more because one day she's going to fire me yeah. uh, and she's going to make up a reason to fire me. And that's literally what she did. And it was yeah. fine because I had already had my feet planted and I was ready. Yeah, that makes sense. 
And so when you got in the industry, because a lot of times people make it cool to just walk in and quit. Like, <laughs> ain't nothing cool about that. Like, you got to have a transition plan. Like, you got to put framework in place. But when you transition, right? So tell me about your first year in the industry. Like, how many deals you went after? Like, what did you do? Yeah. I closed 17 transactions. Um, wow. And I remember it, but I was one of those people that didn't have my plan in place ahead of time. So 17 transactions sounds really good for a first time realtor was broke the whole time. Yep. I was too busy playing catch up because I was coming out of quitting a job. I think it took me two months to close my first transaction. I was still trying to live my life like normal. I was just broke. Like I made a hundred thousand and was broke. And that's crazy to, to even say that out loud. Like I had made a hundred thousand, but I didn't realize the difference between being an entrepreneur and a CEO and real estate is really a business. And in order for it to be successful, you have to invest back into your business. And I was co-mingling my monies. So I didn't understand that initially, like I knew I wasn't supposed to, but I think everything was happening so fast. I never slowed down to do it, to like correct all my errors. No, that's good. Well, I don't want you to breeze over 17 deals because 17 deals in your first year, you were hustling. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was good. I was just broke, (laughs) (laughs) but it was good. Like, I mean, and I know I did well. My first year, I was rookie of the year. I was I mean, I got all these accolades, but on the backside, though, I don't think I actually enjoyed them because when I got them in my head, I was like, well, you're still here like you financially, you're not here. Like, yeah, you're doing well and you have the relationship portion and you have the whole getting the business and people trusting you and you understand the business. The bad part is you don't know how to manage your money. And I remember it was like, I think it was like November of that first year. My mom had just randomly asked me, how much have you made? So I went through my bank account. I didn't even know like the importance of keeping up with your numbers. And so I remember going through my bank account on the phone with her and I started crying and I said, this doesn't make any sense Wow! because I've made that much money. (laughs) And you don't know where it's at. Not that first year, no. (laughs) And the thing is, though, that's a lot of entrepreneurs. That's a lot of real estate professionals. Like, you know, right now, everybody's in the wholesaling and flipping houses. Right. And yeah, they know what they're making on that deal when it closes. But then, like you said, what am I going to do with it after the fact? Yeah. Am I investing into another project or am I putting it here? Am I putting this away for taxes? Because now I'm an independent contractor. See, people don't talk about that. Employees, they get it taken out up front. Mm-hmm. Independent contractors, you get the whole bank and then it's on you to have the money at the end of the day to pay them taxes. Mm-hmm. So so when you when you did the 17 deals, like you said, the management on the backside was something that you learned as a lesson. Because I always say, you probably heard one of my podcasts, there's only wins and lessons. There are, there are, no, there are no losses. Mm-hmm. And you only have a loss if you would have been like, you know what? I'm done with this industry. That's when you would have lost. But you stuck with it. So what lesson did you learn to make that transition to where you're at today? I would say I didn't. I learned it, but I didn't put it into practice until my third year. So I knew what I needed to do, but I needed to figure out how to do it. And that was more so starting to put money back. Now this year I'm like perfect. Like I'm an employee of me. So I'm on a paycheck, taxes come out of it, everything like that. So this year that's what I've done. But I, I knew I needed to first discipline myself to save the money, put it to the side before I could even become an employee of me. Because 
I think I would have crashed and burned had I become an employee of myself because I don't make that much for myself. Like you don't pay yourself as much as you think you would because you're making good money. And so had I done it the right way by year two or three, I think I would have been burnt out. I wouldn't have understood it. So, but by year three, all I just, my goal was, okay, you got to save this dollar, this percentage. It was a percentage, this percentage of every transaction. So it would just go into a savings account and it would go into one of those savings accounts that you don't have a card. You got to call the bank for them to transfer it over to you. And it's going to take two or three days for it to hit your account (laughs) because I needed to not depend on it. Like if I needed it, I didn't need to depend on it. So that was like my number one goal. That's awesome. And so when you obviously made that transition and that's what I tell people, go from being a almost a sole proprietor or independent contractor to creating a business. Mm -hmm. And when you created that business, obviously you had to go hire people now. Mm -hmm. Who was your first hire and why? So my first hire was, it's a transaction coordinator. So it's not like they, so they're a contracted employee, honestly. So they get paid per contract and it's a third party company. And so they just get paid per contract. And the transaction coordinator, I suck at administrative stuff. Um, So that needs to be my next hire. But (laughs) I suck at administrative stuff because I'm so busy being personable. You have to slow down to do the paperwork. And so personable, you get to do that with everybody at once. And so with the paperwork, like it takes all your attention. So I'll write my own contracts and I get the whole contract side of things and everything. But um, the transaction coordinator just allowed me to build more relationships. And so that was important because if I'm on the go showing houses or even selling houses, when I'm out, all I have to do is call my transaction coordinator and say, hey, I need this amendment. I need it signed by this date. Can you get it taken care of for me? And then as soon as I would see the email come through, I would text my clients, hey, just email. And as far as they're concerned, it's from me. Just sent you an email. Go ahead and check it. This is what it is. Can you sign it? And so that was my first hire. My second hire has been my CPA. (laughs) Yep. Setting you up. Yeah. So my CPA is my second hire. And so my next goal for this year is to actually get an administrative assistant. Love it. When I think you, you're doing exactly what the model is, the million dollar agent, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. figure out what your gifts are, which is you obviously hustling 17 deals, 20 deals, whatever you've grown to give up the things you don't like. Like I always tell agents, Write down the list of everything you do on a transaction on the buy side and on the sell side, and then go through and rank it by the things you love the most to the things you hate. You get that hundred, drop those bottom 50 and keep doing the things that you do love. Give those 50 things to somebody else who is wired to be a transaction coordinator. They're going to do it better than you anyway, even if you liked it. Mm -hmm. And then that just gives you more leverage to go out and do more deals. Mm -hmm. No, I love it, man. I love it. And that's the cool thing. Like I've been coaching agents in the shadows for years, like broker owners, team leaders, you know, I've coached agents to be new agents to 10 million in volume agents who couldn't sell over a million to 30 million, you know? And so that, no, I love that. That's, that's, that's good stuff. So where are you focusing on like right now? Cause I want to hit this real quick and then I want to move to the next section. So I know you're doing sales. Do you have a particular buyer that you are seller or client that you like working? And in what area in Dallas are you focusing on? So I honestly, I work all over Dallas. Dallas is kind of funky because I live in 
the hub of Dallas. I live in Odie's Dallas, which is like right outside of downtown Dallas. So here lately, it's been a lot of new construction. I think the new construction is more so because of the real estate industry going on, what's going on in the real estate industry right now. My ideal client is $400,000 and above. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that I won't work with the two hundred dollars or the $250,000. That's just my target audience. So like when you look at my social media, that's who I'm aiming for. Because you can always scale up when you're aiming for audience, you know, so I can market for $400,000 and above. I'm going to reach the $400,000 and below. So ideally, though, I market for $400,000 and above. No, I love it. And, and right now, what are you using the lead gen? Is it social media? Is it sphere of influence? Is it referrals? Referral, sphere of influence, and social media. Social media is a big one uh, for me just because I do a lot of video posts. Um, I talk to you about the home buying process um, and I break it down and I just make it more realistic. People are paying $2,500 in rent. So, like, that's kind of like when I give my scenarios on there, I kind of turn that into a house. Just to give you an idea, and I'm targeting you. Yeah. So most of the people that live by me, but we live in a townhouse, but there's tons of apartments by us, and those apartments for a one bedroom is like 1,900. So that's who I'm targeting. No, I love it because that's where you have, you, like you said, your first time home buyers is one of your niches, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're paying 2,500 in rent, you can, with the interest rates being where they're at and leverage and conventional 5%, FHA, all those things, you can get a nice house for that same note. Mm-hmm. And that's where you think that's where you focus in your energy. Yeah. And then it's less competitive in that price point. Like you don't have to worry about, I mean, you do have to overbid, but it's not like dramatic, like the 250 or the 220 buyers. Yeah. So the 220 buyers right now, you have to be a conventional buyer. If you're yeah. an FHA buyer, we're going to go find you a new construction because nobody's yeah. paying attention to the FHA buyers. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, your first year in the industry, right, as an agent, what would you say is the one lesson you wish somebody would have told you before you got into the industry? Oh, so this one is really personal. It's really deep. You don't get bereavement days. Yep. And I tell everybody that, like, you do not get bereavement days. Like, so my grandmother got sick. <laughs> That June of my first year, she didn't pass until late that August. And so it was always like, oh, she today, today is the day. Today is the day. But I'm out showing like I can't just stop, drop and be there. So I'm out showing. But I would go every day at the end of the day and just like sit and chill with her. But I think when she actually passed, my clients would be like, "Okay, yeah, I respect it. And I think after like 24, 48 hours, they're like, okay, so when can we go? Look, like I get it, but I still got goals and nobody tells you that. And so like, you don't really get those days. Like you're an entrepreneur, but at the end of the day, especially in your first year, you're still chasing a check. So so you, in order to breathe, you need them. Mm -hmm. So I think that was my, my biggest thing, like, because nobody ever talks about that part of it. They don't. The millionaire real estate agent shows, the HGTVs, like they only show you doing deals. They don't show the sacrifices that agents have to make. Because mm-hmm. I always say we work when everybody else works, but we also work when they're off. When they sleeping. So, exactly. <laughs> so it's like 
man, we work all the time. And so when people say, oh, agents are overpaid, it's like, man, really, we're not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that man, that's some good wisdom in that. And and I just want to repeat that. When you get into this industry, just know that you're going to have to make some sacrifices. and You got to decide if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. The same sacrifices as athletes, right? When we came to college, people were like, oh, man, you you were Terrence Murphy. And blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't have a normal college experience. Like, I didn't get to do all the stuff college kids got to do. But that was a sacrifice we made. When we're thinking about your goals, right, what are you shooting for this year? Like, what, if you said, Terrence, like, this is what I'm trying to do with my business. Like, what would that look like? So, I mean, numbers-wise, I have my numbers. I want to double my business from last year because that's what we're capable of doing. One, because I know I can. Two, because we can take advantage of what's happening with the market right now. Even though the interest rates are going up and down, um, it's still a good time to buy because it's going to just keep going up now. But my personal goal is I would like to flip a house. There you go. I would like to flip a house. I wouldn't even mind ending the year with buying a house and turning that into a rental property. So those are like little things like turning real estate into a profit for me. And so those are my goals for this year. I love it. Being my own customer. I would like to be my own customer. (laughs) Why not? So I'm going to make a commitment to you. Okay. Because I'm real big on that. You know, you're giving time to me and my listeners. And when you look for your first flip deal or your first investment property, I'm going to help you in any way I can. So send it to me. I'll help run numbers on it. If you need a passive investor, I'll even look at investing in the project with you. Okay. Like for real, for real. Okay. So where do you see the biggest opportunity over the next 12 to 24 months in real estate? Mm, In rental properties, investing. So if you can buy land, buy land. If you can buy like just people getting their feet wet in any way that they can. I think, um, and even though I said I would like to flip, I think flipping in Dallas is oversaturated right now. Everybody's trying to do it. Everybody wants to be a wholesaler because nobody wants to do the work to be a realtor. So everybody's looking for the shortcut to do something. So if you can find a house, um, turn it into a rental property, and it makes sense. Like if it's even a house in, in Dallas, the hood is like South Dallas and Pleasant Grove. So if you can find a house in South Dallas or Pleasant Grove and put it on Section 8, and as long as you're making five to $600, you're making a profit because that's the goal for any yep. rental property. Yep. So if you can do that, I've even, I know someone who's buying property in Arkansas. They're pretty cheap. Your monthly payment is $100 a month in Arkansas, and then the rent is $600. And so, oh, okay, that's your $500 right there. So. Yep. As long as you can get your feet wet anywhere, like don't marginalize yourself to even the city that you live in. Find out other cities that you can purchase property, um, especially smaller cities that aren't known for home ownership. So mm-hmm. most people rent there. Hey, go buy the house that they rent in, and you already have somebody. You I already love- have a tenant in there. <laughs> no, I love your hustle and I love just the thought process because like a lot of times people see my wife and I put up a post that ended up going viral and that wasn't even our intention where we had bought like a Starbucks and a Buffalo Wild Wings strip center. And I think because we can put it on Facebook and it just took off. But our first investment property was two HUD duplexes for $78,000. Now they see us developing neighborhoods, selling million dollar houses, selling million dollar ranches, blah, blah, blah. Right. But it's like, we didn't start there. Uh You just got to get, like you said, get your feet wet, get in the game. 
because it's just like anything, right? Like everybody wants to be the expert when anybody is an expert in anything, whether it's a podcast, it's music, it's being an athlete. Like LeBron James was shooting the ball before anybody ever knew his name. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage you and encourage our listeners. Like, you're right. Like, just get in the game, get you some properties. Because like you said, $500 a month of cash flow is $6,000 a year. Mm-hmm. You do that one time, two times, three times, four times, five times before you know it. And on one of my episodes before, uh, Jabari McLennan was a young man that I've known. I've coached him. And in two years, he's put together 17 of those properties in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And now he's cash flowing six figures a year. What city is he in? He's in Jonesboro. Okay. Look up his episode. I, that's really because I went to the University of Arkansas. So I, I understand like how that market is there. Like you find one of those small towns up in there and you can find a house for ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And it's probably already somebody living in it. Yeah, that's good. So what are you doing right now to invest in yourself as a as a real estate entrepreneur, as a realtor? Like, what are you doing right now to invest in you? Like, what are you doing to invest in yourself? So one of the things that I'm doing is just making sure all my ducks are in a row as I'm prepping to flip the house. So I have like a goal date in my head on and I'm real big, like kind of like how you said, like if somebody tells you something, you hold them accountable to it. I hold myself accountable to a lot of things like and I'm hard on myself, but in a good way. Like I can't be who I want to be if I'm not hard on myself. So I have a goal date on when I want to do things. So I'm just saving and studying certain things. So studying more so how to flip a house. Yeah, I'm a realtor, but at the same time, that's a different skill set. And I may have the knowledge on what the aftermarket value is going to be, but I don't have the knowledge on what it is to fix this, that, and the other inside of the house, you know? Mm -hmm. So just making sure I'm building those relationships so when the time comes, I can pull the trigger and I'm not wondering what I'm doing. No, I love it. I love it. So really right now you're just studying and, and you're building relationships. When you're studying, is there a tidbit for our audience? Are you on YouTube? Are you listening to podcasts? Like, what are you doing to study? Are you reading books? Are you going to seminars? What, what, what's that, so look, I do what's that look like? Podcasts and a lot of YouTube videos. I'm always on the go. So anything I can listen to on the go, I try to read like more entertainment books or other people's lives. I love to read like biographies, um, because that's pretty encouraging too. But as far as like when I'm studying, it's more so podcasts and YouTubes just because they kind of give you the breakdown. And most of the time you get other people's stories. So like, kind of like how me and you were talking, you may have talked to a realtor last week and they didn't tell you this version of the story. This may be still part of their story. So you get to hear everybody's story differently. No, I love it. And, you know, and you we're sponges. So we take different parts of their stories and we adapt to it. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So one of the things that you put on there in in what you said, books. Right. So you like biographies. You have your podcast. Is there someone in particular that you are inspired by, like somebody in real estate specifically? Or you just kind of go across the whole, you know, you just kind of. At, at my reach, I really like uh, Chris Senegal because he's here in Texas. I admire his story because I think I had a conversation with a friend and hearing his story kind of reemphasized it. Sometimes there will be things that you want. And he, my friend is a lender. So he had a conversation, a random conversation with a millionaire client on the phone. 
And the client told him, go buy apartment complexes. I know it seems hard. I know it seems like, dang, I won't be approved for the financing and different things like that. But what he told him was, you'd be surprised how many of those apartment complex owners will owner finance that property for you. And when you hear Chris Senegal's story, that's actually how he started. Nobody told him to do that, but it was kind of like, that was my, that was his only option. So he, I think in order to buy his first block in a commercial building, it was 300,000. Well, he offered the seller 400,000 and asked them, could they own their finances for him? Wow. So that's a hack. When you hear somebody tell you, and it's like, it's not really somebody that you admire, but you kind of like, okay, I'll I'll take that and I'll figure that out. And then once you hear it again in a podcast, it's almost like it's okay. What they were talking about does make sense because I do know that, and I I struggle with this. I don't take advice from everybody, mm-hmm. and that may be a good thing and a bad thing. But I don't take advice from people that I don't admire. So if I don't admire you, I'm more hesitant to take your advice. I might hear it and I'll be like, okay, it's in the back of my head, but I need somebody else to co-sign on that before yeah. I can just move forward on that. So yeah, even good. if it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's good. That's wise. And I think that like one of the things people always ask me is real estate hacks. That's a real estate hack right there. Like people don't realize like on investment properties, you can get owner financing. Now, obviously the interest rates probably going to be a little more aggressive for the owner, but the down payments may be a little tricky, but most of the time you don't have to go through all of the background checks, paperwork, debt to income ratios, and you look up and you own a property. And you can structure it in a way where it's beneficial to the seller because long in the long run, they're going to make more money. But you, the investor, can get in with less money and more time to build your track record. Mm-hmm. Man, I need to do an episode on just that in general, just like how to hack investment properties through owner financing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for dropping that nugget. B- before we go, what are some final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with? Okay, let me start here before I even answer that. Your audience, is it more, do you know if it's more like real estate professionals or if it's uh, like just all over the place, like buyers and sellers? Man, I got them all, real estate professionals, investors, developers, builders, man, we all over the place. Okay, so whatever it is that you want or you think you want, I would say just go after it. Figure out how you can go after it. Stop making excuses for it. Especially like with buyers, the market is going to keep going up. So the $250,000, $300,000 house you're looking at now and you say, oh, okay, I want to be approved for three hundred and fifty. dollars Let me work on it. Next year is going to be the same house you're looking at. And that, that applies to life in general. If you don't go after it now, those opportunities, other people are. So those opportunities do start shrinking for you. So granted, later you can still blossom into the same person you're trying to be. Just go after whatever it is that you desire. Don't don't become your worst enemy and talk yourself out of it. Wow. There's a lot of wisdom in that, like for real. And, you know, I think in this day and age, people get inspired by people on social media. But like you said with this uh, Chris Senegal, but we don't really know his story. Mm-hmm. So n- let's not let's not count where he's at today and try to compare because then that makes us shrink. That makes us feel like, well, man, I can't do what he did. We can all do something. We just got to do what God has for us to do. Like start somewhere. Yeah, just get your feet wet. (laughs) No, I appreciate your time and we're going to stay connected. And um, I'm going to be actually expanding into Dallas soon. 
And so we'll be we'll we'll be touching base and, and keeping connected. So thank you so much for just dropping these nuggets. And I'm gonna do a whole episode on real estate investment hacks around owner financing. Like that's that's good. That's like probably one of the best nuggets I got this year. That'll be dope. Thank you so much. We'll send it out, we'll send it out to you and then I'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. All right, see you soon. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 